leave. Oh, God, I can get rid of these burdens. Oh, God, I don't have to do it. I don't have to perform. I don't have to please nobody. I don't have to please you. I can live my Christian life in freedom. Doesn't that sound good? It's good. That's a good way of living your Christian life. I can do whatever I need to do until your Spirit says don't. Instead of listening to what everybody else says I'm supposed to do, I can start living from the Holy Spirit in me. Instead of listening to a bunch of stuff people say. I don't need to listen to all these people, what they got to say. I need to listen to the Holy Spirit. Now, I need, the Bible gives us teachers and gifts and all that. I'm not denying those things. I'm just saying He has also given us a Spirit that's got a voice. And He'll let you know when you get out, if you'll start listening to Him. Walk after the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh, the Bible says. Amen? You will not. Anyways, it goes on. It doesn't, because it doesn't just stop here that she's received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Verse 3, Isaiah 40. Y'all with me? This is exciting, man. Because this is the Old Testament prophetic voice speaking to a bunch of people today that need to hear what God was saying way back then. This is the way I designed it. All right, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Everybody, you ever heard that before? Spirit of Elijah, right? John the Baptist, right? The voice of one crying in the wilderness. Okay, second key word, wilderness. All right, this is important. Um, wilderness in the Bible represents many things, right? Represents many Place of testing. God brings people into the wilderness. Jesus was taken 40 days into the wilderness. Means the in between place, right? You were in Egypt. Now God has taken you out of the Egypt, the world. Now I want to bring you into something greater, but there's this wilderness in between you've got to go through. It's the in between place. Many Christians find themselves in the in between place of their life. The problem is, is Christianity's gotten good at living in the in between place. We've gotten real good at staying out there in the wilderness. We're experts at the wilderness. We know how to maneuver in the wilderness. You know why the Lord had to let Moses go? I mean, he did some things he shouldn't have done, but I believe God had intended No matter if Moses was alive or dead, he was going to get a new man in place because Moses had always been in the wilderness. He had either been in Egypt or wilderness. He had never seen anything. So the Lord said, I've got to get rid of this guy because he will bring my people, try to bring my people across the Jordan into the Promised Land try to do it the way he did back there. And it won't work over there. And I believe what one of the things that God wants to do is I believe He wants to bring the church, individuals, out of wilderness into their promises. He wants to get us out. But you see, you can't, and you can't get out on your own. You can't get out unless you have this revelation of the grace of God, the rest of God, operational in your life. If you're not yoked with Christ, you'll never cross over. You will never cross over. You'll stay out there wondering. You'll stay out there frustrated. You'll stay out there messed up. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? It will never change. And God wants, He's wanting promised land people. He doesn't want wilderness people. He's looking for us to cross over. All right, this is cool. It says, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough places smooth. Now, if you look at that, these geographical features are symbolic of people, symbolic of our lives. In other words, the first one, every valley shall be exalted. 
Valleys represent hopelessness and self-pity. Hopelessness and self-pity. In other words, God wants... If, you are a hope, if you're living in hopelessness and self-pity this morning, God wants to raise that up. You hear what I'm saying to you? He wants to make that smooth. Hopelessness, everybody say hopelessness and self-pity. Is anybody living in self-pity this morning? Raise your hand if you're living in self-pity. Raise your hand. Be honest. Got one, two. All right, anybody got any hopelessness on them this morning? You see what God wants to do? He wants to bring that up. He sees you living it. Ne- the next one he says, uh, and every mountain and hill brought low. You know what mountain and hills stand for? Arrogance of man. Pride of man. In other words, God said, I want to bring that down. Anybody got any pride in their life? Wait, raise your hand this morning. Raise your hand if you got pride. See, God said, I want to bring that down. I don't want you to be in pride. I want, I want to lower that. And then you got the crooked places shall be made straight. You know what crooked places are? Crooked places are lies that you believe. Disbelief that you believe. Things that you believe in that are not right. Unbelief in your life that mess your life up. Error in your life. If the truth sets you free, what does lies do? They bind you up. And that's what's wrong with a lot of Christians. They, they're bound up because they're not believing the truth. And the Lord is saying here, I want to make those things straight in your life. Anybody got any lies this morning they're believing? Anybody feel bound up this morning? Raise your hand if you feel bound up. Honestly, raise your hand up. There you go. Two or three people feel bound. And God wants to loose you. And then he says the rough places, smooth. Now, what's rough places? You look at a guy who's lived a rough life. Does it tell on their face? This ain't a rough life, man. Got wrinkles. This is a rough old person. It's because they've done things in their life that's been hard on them. And what God wants to do is He wants that the things that have been hard on us, the burdens that we've tried to carry as Christians, they have wore us out in the spirit. We look like a bunch of old worn-out, beat-up people. I guarantee you, if God could put a mirror in front of some Christians, we'd be shocked at what we look like. If a spiritual mirror, we'd look like we were 98 years old. We were 25 years old, and we looked like we had been through hell and back and beat to death. Wrinkled, hair's all falling out, your teeth are loose. You know, if you're a woman, your breasts are sagging. You know, you just whipped. Life has just whipped you, beat the fire out of you. Got gum disease. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we look like that spiritually. We don't look like that bride without spot or blemish. So the Lord wants to do that. He wants to do that. But now let's, let's go on and see what it says in verse 6. This is, this is cool. The voice said, cry out. Okay? The voice said, cry out. The voice of one crying. There was a voice that said, cry out. Speak forth. And this, uh, this person, whoever's receiving this voice, and he said, what shall I cry? What shall I say? That was his question. In other words, am I just to tell people who are proudful, you need to humble yourself? If I, am, I, am I just supposed to tell old hopeless and self-pity consumed people, y'all need to fix that, man. That ain't right. You know, you, don't, you need to quit being full of self-pity. Am I just supposed to tell people who are believing bad stuff, you need to quit believing that way. That ain't right. Tell them the truth. And you need to tell them old loose-toothed, ball-headed, ugly, wore-out, 23-year-olds, born-again Christians that they need to be looking young and sprite and full of, full of fire. Is that what I'm supposed to tell them? Is that going to do them any good? 
I mean, tell me to. Is it going to do you any good for somebody to tell you how messed up you are? It's not going, and that's what this voice was saying. What am I going to tell these people? And we need to be asking God when we see things that are messed up. Instead of just saying, I know what's wrong with you. You need to get saved. I know what's wrong with you. You're full of pride. That ain't going to do anybody no good. How do you prepare the way of the Lord? Just tell everybody they're messed up and God's coming and you better get right before He gets here. That don't seem right to me. I mean, you know, that's not like the cart before the horse. God's coming. You better get right. Now, does that sound right to you? Yeah. I mean, gosh, I'm saying God's coming. Help, God. You know, if you want things to be right, you better do something. But that's what the church has done. And then he said this. What shall I go? Then he answered, all flesh is grass. And all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. That's the first thing. First thing he tells you is, listen, there's nothing you can do in your flesh. There's nothing you can do in your flesh. Because you are just flesh, and God's going to blow in your flesh. As a matter of fact, let me just say this. Everybody in this room needs to examine their life and find out what we're doing that's in the flesh. Because I'm going to promise you this, God's going to blow on it. And this is what I've learned. When He blows on it, it's painful. When it's you that did it and God blows it down. Because God is going to blow on everything that we do as Christians to see, is it God or is it just my flesh? And we really need to be asking ourselves this. We really need to be seeking the Lord. Is this just me? Is this just something I want to do? Or is this just something I think I'm supposed to do and I'm just going to go off and do it? We really need to ask the Lord that because I promise you, it is hard on you when God blows down your stuff. And God's going to blow some stuff down. You know, some of you weren't here a couple years ago when Pastor Sam came uh, from Africa. And he he said, one of these days there are going to be some mighty ministries that will no longer exist. Because God's going to blow on them. And, and, and the reason they're not going to exist is because it wasn't God in the first place. You see what I'm saying? Man can do a lot of things in our flesh. But when the day of God blowing on things, we find out what's really God and what's really us. You hear what I'm saying? So really, I'm going to tell you, we ought to be asking God for this big favor. Lord, um, please do it gentle, but start blowing in my life. Because if i got a bunch of stuff in my life that's not you, I'd really go ahead and get it over with now instead of waiting five years from now when I've really built everything on it and really relying on it and depending on it and believing all this stuff is you and it wasn't you in the first place. You hear what I'm saying to you? So we've got to be careful about what we build and what we do. Is it God or is it, is it us? Because here it's clearly saying God will surely blow and the grass will wither and the flower fades. But then he goes on. And basically what he was saying there, this is not how you do it. You don't do it in your flesh. Then he goes on in verse 9, O Zion, you who bring good tidings. Now, who is Zion? Anybody know? The church. We're Zion. We, the Old Testament Zion is the New Testament church. That's what we are, okay? You who bring good tidings, get up on the high mountains, O Jerusalem. You who bring good tidings. Aren't we supposed to be bringing good news? Are you all with me? This, now, see, this is telling us what we're supposed to say. If you want to know what to tell people, it's telling you right here. It's saying, don't be in the flesh. 
We need to wake up, guys. I'm serious. This is real stuff here. I'm serious. Do you want to live a victorious Christian life? Do you want to see your nation change? Do you want to fulfill all that God's for you? We better listen to what God's saying to us. I think God's trying to talk to you this morning. And it ain't just because I'm standing here. I believe it's the truth. We need to find out what we're supposed to be doing. Or you can just stay the same. Do you want to stay the same? I sure as heck don't. I want to be different. I don't want to live my Christian life the way I've always lived it. It's no good. It doesn't work. I want to live it the way God wants me to live it. Behold, the Lord shall come with His strong... Well, you who bring good times... Oh, let's bring some good times. Lift up your voice with strength. He's saying, this is what you've got to go after. Lift up your voice with strength. That means yell it out if you have to. Lift it up and be not afraid. Say to the cities of Judah, what? Behold who? Your God. And see, He's saying... Point the people away from their flesh. Point them to God. Let them know about God, that God wants to come. God wants to do some stuff. Um, Behold, the Lord God shall come with a strong hand, and His arm shall rule for Him. Behold, His reward is with Him, and His work before Him. He will feed His flock like a shepherd. That's the Lord. He will gather the lambs with His arm, and carry them in His bosom, and gently lead those who are with young. Okay. So... That's what it tells you. He's telling, did you catch that? He told the guy who said, what am I going to cry out? He said, well, don't, don't cry out about the flesh. Don't get people doing stuff in their flesh. That's what he says. First thing, he says, this is not how you do it. You've got to point them towards God first. That's where you've got to get the people. You've got to, you've got to declare to them, this is who God is. This is what God does. This is how great God is. And he goes through, and I'm not going to take the time to go through, all the way through verse 26, talking about the magnificence of God. In other words, that's what we need to be doing. We need to be lifting the Lord up instead of ourselves. Are you all with me? Because that's what's going to work. This other stuff's not going to work. This other kind of Christianity doesn't work. It's not about what man does. It's about what God has done and what God will do. And the church needs to get to this place where we say to people, listen, you can't do it, but God Himself has an answer for you. And He will show you how to do it. All right, verse 27. Why do you say, O Jacob, I just skipped over all that, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by my God. Now, I want to ask a question. In this room, this morning, has anybody ever felt that about the Lord? Has anybody, in other words, has anybody felt like they cried out to God, prayed to God, and they felt like God just ignored them? Didn't answer it. Well, raise your hand if you've ever had that sensation. Well, you just cried out to the Lord for something as sincere as you could, and it didn't happen for a long time. Maybe never happened. I don't know as of yet. Well, this is what the Lord says. Have you not known, have you not heard that everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. That's the Lord. That's what we need to be telling people. That God never gets tired. God never faints. Not God never gets weary. Then he says this. Um, his understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak. Did y'all get that? Who gets power? Who in here is strong this morning? Honestly, are you strong? Raise your hand if you're strong. 
That's good. I'm strong, Lord. I got too much strength. It's like Arthur said, we don't sin because we're weak. We sin because we're strong. And that's the truth. We think we cannot sin. We think we can resist sin. We think we can live the Christian life. We don't fail at, at Christianity because we're weak people. We fail at Christianity because we're strong people. And strong people don't get God's power. They don't get it. He doesn't give it to them. They disqualified themselves. Are y'all getting anything out of this? It's powerful, I think. Um, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. You got any might this morning? Anybody got any might? Raise your hand. Got any might? I got some might. I'm going to be honest with the Lord. Lord, I got some might. That means the Lord's saying, well, you ain't going to get increased in strength until you lay your might down, Byron. And that's the truth. Here's what D.D. Jake said. I heard him. D.D. Jake is crazy. But this is what he said. He said, people think they can get my mantle by coming to my house instead of going to the cross. In other words, they think they go hang around him, they're going to get something, get his mantle, get his anointing. You don't get that by hanging around somebody. You get it by going to the cross. You get it by going and, and laying your life down at the foot of the Lord. That's really what he was trying to say. He was, I guess people are always trying to get his mantle. But they're not willing to go to the cross to get it, like what he said in his life. It, if you can go through what I've, I've gone through in my life, then you can maybe have what I've got. If you, if you can go through what I went through. And he starts describing all these awful things that he went through in his life. Even, listen to this, even the youth shall faint and be weary. Do we wonder why young people fall away from the Lord so much? Have you ever wondered that? Man, they just get saved, get all fire for the Lord, all high, man, just blistering it and all this potential, all this destiny. Next thing you know, they're, they're drunk. It's so frustrating to be a pastor and have to put up with that. But this is the reason. Even the young men who are strong, who you think can stand in the day of battle, they can't even do it. Why do you think a bunch of old men are going to be able to pull it off? Because when you get old, you just don't quite have it in you no more. You just think, man, I ain't going to do that. I'm already whipped. You know what it is? There was this movie one time. It was, it was Clint Eastwood movie, and there was this orangutan in this movie. I don't remember what the name is. He was old. Huh? Is that what it was? But he was a fighter, like a street fighter. And the whole movie was about this big fight. He was going to have this other big-time street fighter, you know, and they would fight. He wasn't sanctioned by him. They'd just get out and fight through bars and just beat each other to death. And they finally had this big fight, and he beat this other guy who was supposed to be, you know, real great. Well, he was going home or something, and there's some guy, nobody guy, knew who he was and wanted to fight him. And he said, okay, we'll fight. And the guy popped, hit him one time, and, well, not Clint Eastwood Cole. And, uh... All his buddy, man, this is terrible. You know, this is the greatest street fight. The guy left, and he just got up. He said, I just didn't feel like messing with that guy. <laughs> you know? And that's really the way the Lord has to be with us. I and mean, after the Lord has beat the fire out of you, all he has to do is come and sort of tug on you, and you just floor, hit the floor. I ain't got to fight in me no more, Lord. And after a while, after you have spent years fighting God, you just get where you don't want to fight him no more. He comes, he's like, I give up right now, Lord. I ain't doing this. I just can't do it. You, you know, go find some young guy who thinks they can and whip up on them, but I'm not going to do it. And that's sort of the way I got mine. I just can't do this no more. Go ahead. Take your, take your punch and get it over, but I ain't swinging back. 
<clears throat> it is a good thing. It says young men shall utterly fall. Okay? But, okay, this is the great but in the Bible. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Now, here, this is cool. Wait. This is what the word means in the Hebrew. Doesn't mean wait like going to a doctor's office and sitting in a doctor's office waiting on him to call you for it. That is not what that word means. It means something like braid. That's what it means. Like hair braid. I mean, intertwined. Intertwined is what it really means. Those who intertwine themselves with the Lord. Here's a good New Testament word for it. Those who are yoked with the Lord. Take that word wait and put yoked in there. Those who yoke themselves to the Lord shall do what? Shall renew. All right. That, so, so wait's an important word in there. It's not waiting on God to do something. It is being yoked with Christ. Okay? Then the next word is renew. And the Hebrew, and I'm no Hebrew expert like I am. Y'all think I'm throwing out all these definitions. Anybody can do this. you got a concordance and Bible software, just look it up. you got all kinds of stuff in there. Um, Renew. Hebrew root word means exchange. You ever heard of the term called the exchange life? Those who are yoked with the Lord will exchange what? Their strength for His strength. You got that? That is the ultimate message. If we will yoke ourselves with the Lord... We, in a sense, are giving away all our might and all our strength to the Lord. And He's saying, thank you. Now, here's all my might and all my strength. I will release it in you and enable you to live your Christian life. Yes, in the Spirit. And that's what it means. And that's the way God designed the Christian life to be. Because He goes on and says, it says three things. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. All right, number one, walk means this. Walk means your day in and day out Christianity. Read Ephesians. Walk in love. Walk in the light. Walk in wisdom. Walk in purity. Walk in unity. That's what the, the, Paul teaches in Ephesians about how we're to walk out our Christianity. And this is what Isaiah says. If you're yoked with the Lord, you can walk in love. You can walk in light. You can walk in purity. You can walk in unity with other people. Are you with me? And not faint. That's how you do it. That's how you love somebody that's unlovable. You got that? That's how you have the wisdom of God. It's telling us. These are the secrets of the Bible. These are the secrets of Christianity right here revealed to us. Secrets that those people in the Old Testament really could only see a glimpse of. And yet here we are today being, the Lord is saying, these are the secret to the victorious, successful Christian life. I'm telling you these are them. And I promise you they are. And they shall run and not be weary. Run means ministry. Anybody ever got tired of their ministry? Tired of doing, just like, man, I can't keep doing this. Listen to what, these are two verses I'm going to give you. I'll just read them to you. 1 Corinthians 9.24. These are Paul. It says, do you not know those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. That's cool. Galatians 2, 2. And I went up by revelation and communicated to them, being the people at Jerusalem, 
that that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to those who were a reputation, least by any means I might run or had run in vain. That's what he says. So the secret of being in ministry and not getting wore out by ministry and not getting beat up by ministry is being yoked with Jesus. That's the secret. That's how you do it. So if you're wore out by it, I'm not talking about physically. I'm talking about being burnt out on the inside. And just feel like I just can't keep doing this when you know God's called you to do it. The secret is being yoked with Christ. It's the secret. And letting Christ do it because you've exchanged your energy, you've exchanged your power for His power. And He is limitless. That's what He said when they talked about how great God was in all those verses I didn't read to you. Because it's talking about how powerful God is. God never gets tired. God's always active in us. It solves a lot of problems in your life. It solves a lot of your daily problems. It solves a lot of your ministry problems automatically. Automatically. It's powerful. And then they shall mount up with wings like eagles. Everybody wants to be an eagle, right? Anybody want to be an eagle? You know, because eagles sort of live this effortless life, right? They get up there and just... And you know, one of the, I've read some things about eagles. Just really trying to understand that. One thing about eagles that says eagles are not scared of storms. How many in this room are scared of storms? I'm not talking about thunder and lightning. I'm talking about the storms of life. When difficulties come. When an eagle sees difficulty, he likes it because you know what? He gets above them. And they propel him. They get up there above the storm and live up there in the high thermal drafts that carry them. Another thing about eagles is this, is they can see a long ways. They can see a long ways. They can see stuff that's going on way down yonder. Because they're up here above everything, and they're not down here under everything walking on the earth and being pulled down by the the life on the earth. And God has really called every Christian to live like an eagle. But you are not going to live like an eagle except if, unless you're yoked with Christ. That's the way. Now, I have telling you this morning, what I'm telling you, I'm not telling you this is theory. I'm not just telling you these are Bible verses. I'm telling you this is the truth. This is the truth. And the reason I can say it is because I've lived my Christian life both ways. I've lived my Christian life not really wanting to be yoked to Christ. Really not wanting his yoke because I didn't like some of the things I thought he was going to want. And I've lived it, learning it, learning how to be yoked with Jesus daily. And there's a big difference in my Christianity and in my life than today than I was a year ago. A huge difference. A massive difference. And that's why I can say to you this morning, what is said in Isaiah 40 is the truth. And it really does work. It really works. Now, here's the way it won't work. If it's just in your mind, if all you do is hear what I say, it will not affect you. I'm telling you, it will not work. Because I have, you know, I've understood things about grace for years, but I never really had real, true revelation from God on it. But when I got revelation from God, that's when everything changed in my life. That's the only way it's going to work, is you have to have revelation. In other words, head knowledge won't get it. Head knowledge is good. It's a good thing to know about it. But it's a better thing to really know it inside you. Because when you know it inside of you, it's alive. Now, here's the thing. You can yell but it. You can yell but it. You can resist it. 
You can be displeased with the you know how I presented it. You know what I'm saying? But it's the truth, and it's really up to you. Because see, here's this is when when the Lord presented it to me, He gave me a choice. And you know what? If I could just describe to you how small a revelation it was, you see how small this little string is right here on this thing. That's how it felt. Just a little string of light came to me. It wasn't much. It was pitiful, really. I thought, man, that's, that ain't much. But I knew it was God. And I'll tell you, I was at a point in my life where I needed something real from God. So I just said, I don't care if it ain't much. I'm grabbing hold of it, God. And I grabbed hold of that little stream of light. And once, when I did that, it has continued to this day has opened up more and more and more and more things. And that's the truth. Because, see, this thing don't just stop here of how to live the Christian life, how to do ministry and not get tired. There is a vastness to it. There's a vastness to it. All of a sudden, the Bible becomes much greater of a thing than what I have ever seen. God has things about the kingdom of God that He wants to reveal to people. That the grace of God leads you right into See, it's not just a message of grace just for itself. Grace is not grace for itself. Grace will lead you into other things of God and make the things of God, the things that God's doing in the earth, the things that's in God's heart, that, he, that it will reveal to you things you've never seen before and suddenly you things you thought you understood, you realize you never understood it. And that's really what it'll do for you. It is really incredible. I wish I could convince you how incredible it really is. But I can just say this. I know it's the truth, what I'm telling you. And I know it doesn't just stop at being yoked with Jesus. It goes way beyond that. And God wants to do something in the earth today that's real and that's alive. He wants to do something beyond a church program or a missions program or a home group program, whatever it may be, or a music program. There's something of the kingdom of God that He wants to release. But I have found out this. I thought I knew about the kingdom of God, and I found out I didn't know about it. I still don't know about it, but I know grace brings me into it. And I'm starting to see things, honestly, dimly. They're dim things, but I know they're God, and I know they're real, and I believe that God wants to do that for people. But you've got to start where you're at. You've got to give up and surrender to the Lord.